Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 14th, 2017 and this is a 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page three of Bill's story, starting with paragraph two, which begins with my drinking assume more serious proportions, reading through two paragraphs that ends at the top of page four, which is till with amused skepticism. That's a little bit choppy there. We'll focus our comments on those two paragraphs today. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Dorita P, the 12 traditions, Sherry KB, and reading the text today would be Gina R. and Robin Joe B. The reference numbers, the reference numbers for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, that would be Wednesday, December 13th, 2017, is 10795, 10795. And the share ID number for this morning's meeting, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 10798, 10798 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting this morning, December 14th. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who still suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Dorita P. to please read the 12 steps. Star 1, Dorita P. Thank you, uh, because I was just reading along. <laughs> my, <laughs> my name is my name is Dorita P, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And these are the twelve steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Dorita P. I will now ask, um, sorry, Sherry KB to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful recovery compulsive every reader. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big, books of, big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book In Bill's story, on page 3, beginning with paragraph 2, my drinking assumed more serious proportions, and reading through two paragraphs, which ends on the top of page 4 with with amused skepticism, and comment our focus shares on those two today. And I will ask Gina R. to begin our study and reading today. Good morning again, Gina. 
Thank you so much, Mel, for your service, and hello to everybody on the line, especially uh, the newcomer. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. The remonstrances of my friends terminated in a row, and I became a lone wolf. There were many unhappy scenes in our sumptuous apartment. There had been no real infidelity, for loyalty to my wife, helped at times by extreme drunkenness, kept me out of those scrapes. In 1929, I contracted golf fever. We went at once to the country, my wife to applaud, while I started out to overtake Walter Hagen. Liquor caught up with me much faster than I came up behind Walter. I began to be jittery in the morning. Golf permitted every drinking every day and every night. It was fun to carry him around the exclusive course, which had inspired such awe in me as a lad. I acquired the impeccable coat of tan one sees upon the well-to-do. The local banker watched me whirl fat checks in and out of his till with amused skepticism. Start my timer. I'm drawn to the... Um, the remonstrances of my friends terminated in a row and I became a lone wolf. I was not the person that was putting on weight to the proportion that some people have experienced. My body type and just the way I'm put together, when I put weight on, it's put on very evenly. And when I would tell people when I was being honest with them and tell them exactly how much I weighed, they could not believe it. They always thought I was um, about 15 or 20 pounds below whatever it was I was. So that helped to feed my body dysmorphia. Um, and, and how this relates to the remonstrances is people weren't telling me that they were concerned about my, my eating but what, what was amping up for me was uh, my behavior and my thinking. And uh, people were um, just, you know, with body language or sometimes if somebody felt safe and comfortable um, confronting me, they would let me know that I just, I was not a pleasant person to be around. And so those were the remonstrances I had. But my eating was increasing, and I was basically someone who didn't eat all day, and then I would eat it um, starting after I would get home from work and eat at night. And I would have several instances of um, being at the refrigerator in the middle of the night and um, eating food that wasn't mine and then having to lie about it in the morning when uh, someone would get up and say, hey, where's the... Uh, you know, fill in the blank. And <laughs> everybody knew it was me. And so it would cause some, um, I wouldn't call it a row, which was sounds like kind of a big fight, but it was an unhappy scene in my household. Um, and I was unfaithful. I did not have fidelity to the people around me with respect to how I was responding to that. And it did create a lot of stress and strain. I am so glad to say now that when I opened the refrigerator, 
the light that comes on, I see it as the light of my higher power. And I am able to connect with that light. And I know what food is mine. I know what I need to eat. I know when I need to eat it. And that's what I do. And when I have that connection, everything else flows just as it's supposed to, whether it's a feeling of sadness or joy. I'm able to receive it, process it, and live it. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Gina R. We are in Bill's story, page three, paragraph two and three, focusing our discussion on that today. Is there anyone out there that would like to comment on those two paragraphs? Hey, Lena. Carol K. Terry H. Wendy M. Leah Okay, let's see what we have here. Thanks so much. This is lovely. I have Janice M., Karina, Carol K., Carrie H., Wendy M., and Leah S. Let's start with that. We'll go on with it more later. Thanks. Hi, Janice. Well, good morning to you, Melanie. Yes, my name is Janice M., PMM. Um, um, gratefully recovered this morning. Yeah, you know, as my ego, as I thought I was, you know, bag of chips and a dip, um, as my ego increased, so didn't my disease in the way that, you know, I could diet, I could diet, but the times between got shorter and shorter because I couldn't stay stopped, you see. So that was the progression of my disease. And it said my drinking assumed more serious proportions continuing all day and almost every night. Yeah, I used to be able to, like, eat certain things on a Sunday and then diet and all that. But that, that came to, like, you know, no, gonna I couldn't even, I mean, we know if we're a compulsive overeater, the time was shorter and shorter. I couldn't even make it for a week, never mind a day, you know, never mind a week. I mean, I couldn't do it for a day. So, you know, and I didn't care about the friends anyway because my food was more important. So I started isolating. And I'm not an isolator. I love people and I love, but you see, the food became my master. My food was running the show for me, you know, and I was blaming others anyway. Why should they be worried about how I look? Or, you know, once my uncle said, you know, you're becoming very matronly looking, and I went, huh. What a nerve, you know. I was in denial. I would defy. I would, uh, you know, I was in a delusion that I didn't care. So as long as I had my food, it didn't matter to me. I could go it alone, you see. I'm going to be able to fix it. I'm going to be able to rationalize and justify, which I did, absolutely. And so now as the disease is getting in charge of my life, my manageability in my life was decreasing. You know, I would, you know, my home, my, my my relationship with my husband would decrease. But I didn't care. I would just get my food, you know. Uh, it wouldn't bother me. And that led me to other things, you know. Here he is golfing for his ego. And, of course, um, you know, I had financial success. But I said, I, I think I'll start gambling, you know, more money. It was never enough. My ego, my ego, I had the money. So, you know. Um, I might as well do that. See, it was just a cover-up because I had so much pride. I had so much pride that, you know, I'll show you. So I was so egocentric, not God-centered. And, um, of course, you know, <laughs> we know what happens. Um, I was looking good uh, on the outside. Um, 
as if I was deluding people on how much I weighed, but I would always buy good clothes so that you would just notice the clothes. Yeah, like, well, how I was on the outside was not how I was on the inside. And uh, anyway, with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Janice M. Karina, you're next, and then Carol will come up behind you. Karina, star one. Let's move on to Carol Kay. Are you available, Carol Kay? I'm sorry, I'm here. I couldn't, I thought I was unmuted. Okay, hi, Karina. I was talking away. (laughs) Uh Um, Hi, yeah, I really appreciate the autographs. Karina. Karina, just a second. You're kind of you're cutting in and out. We're not hearing but every other word or so. Now I'm not hearing you at all. Can you adjust? Well, let's see if Karina can adjust by maybe taking off her headphone or something like that and move to Carol K. And then we'll go back to Karina. Carol, are you there? One, please. Hi, this is Carol Kay. Can I be heard? You can. Hi, Carol. Hi. Yeah, this is Carol Kay from New Jersey, compulsive overeater. Um, I'm going through the steps again with my sponsor. Um, but, you know, this second paragraph screams the word ego to me. And when she was reading it, it just, the first thing that came to my mind was my sister's funeral, the wake, in 2012. And I wasn't in this program then. I didn't even know about it. And, uh, my ex-sister-in-law walked in, and I gave her a big hug, and I said, hey, it's been so long, I haven't seen you. I would love to come visit. And she said, well, I'd rather you didn't. And I backed up and looked at her, and I was like, what? And she said, I, I, you're, you know, you're so stuck up. Your nose is always in the air. That I, I, I don't want to be around you. And I just thought, holy crap, what's wrong with her? So I walked away. And, uh, you know, this bothered me and bothered me. And I'm, you know, I have, I had a therapist at the time, <clears throat> and I went to my therapist because I didn't go to my family because I figured, you know, I ain't gonna say nothing to them. I, my nose is not in the air anyway. So I said, my therapist will tell me the truth. And I went and sat in my therapist, and I and I said to her, is my nose in the air? Because, and then I told her what happened, and she said, well, yes, you do have that. And I thought, are you kidding? I didn't even believe her. And what, and, and what this is telling me is, you, you see, I was in a pit of my disease. I didn't even see it because I saw myself. I'm, I was always the type that helps people. If a neighbor needs help, I'm always there to help. I never saw myself as having my nose in here, but everybody around me seen it. So this is delusional. I was delusional. It's, it, and, and this is what happens to me when I'm in my disease. This is what happens to us. It's a we program. And you know what? That's when I, when I went down into relapse, I saw my own behaviors. I saw those old behaviors. I felt it coming back. Because, you see, I've never even known all through these years that I had those behaviors until I did get recovered. And now I, I actually felt it and seen it with my own eyes. And then I asked my family members, my five adult kids that live home, my husband, do you see a difference? Yes. You're going off the wall. What are you talking about? 
And I thought, yeah, I, I can't stay here. I don't want to stay here and live in this. Was it hard? Yep. So hard to put that darn food back down. And that was my biggest fear. I always said I'll never relapse because I never want to go through those withdrawals again. Well, guess what? I relapsed. And the reason I relapsed is because I let go, and it was my choice, whether I've seen it coming or not, it was my choice to let go of my higher power's hand. And by me saying that, looking back, I stopped doing 10 steps, and I stopped doing step 12. And, you know, I'm not beating myself up. I buried my sledgehammer. When I came into this program, I said, I'm burying the sledgehammer. I used to beat myself up with my whole life for failing on diets. I'm not beating myself up. I'm just going to get back up. I fell down. I'm getting up, and I'm moving forward. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Carol Kay. I'm going to check real quick. Karina, are you back? Star one. Okay, so let's look at um, Terry H. then, and Wendy, you'll come up behind Terry. Hi, Terry. Hi. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H., a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Very grateful today. Um, my drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. You know, my, my food behaviors became more important um, in my life than people, places, and things. Um, at one time in, in the midst of my disease, I had gained like 30, 40 pounds, uh, binge eating, and then I lost 90 pounds uh, purging and restricting. And, and that was my cycle. That was my disease um, for about 30 years. And um, I definitely uh, identify with Bill in the story. You know, things would go well for a while, and I would think I was doing really, really well because I could put on and take off. I would get, you know, some popula popularity. People would uh, be attracted to me, and then, you know, I couldn't deal with life, and all hell broke loose again, and I was in my disease all over again, cycling and cycling and cycling. And, you know, I, I would just run away. I pushed people away and I ran away and I isolated because I couldn't deal. I couldn't deal. And my disease just beat me down. And, I, you know, if, until it eventually caught up with me. Um, I was, you know, in a hospital multiple times, therapist. None of that really could help me. Help me get my body back together, you know, physically. But that obsession of the mind that I have um, just wore me down every time. And um, I'm really grateful for OA and this program and a vision for you in, in these steps because, you know, it was through these steps, it was through these steps where, you know, I can clear out all that yuck. You know, I didn't want to be seen. And today, you know, I'm okay with being seen. You know, the sh shame and the fear, um, you know, it's, it's not bringing me down. You know, it's that connection with my higher power that brings me up. And, and I'm just really grateful for that. Today, you know, I was sharing with my sponsor, you know, something's disturbing me. Something's going on and I can't quite pinpoint it. You know, and today I have a program to work on that. I can reach out to another person and share that with them and not go to the food and not have my disease take care, you know, take over. And, I, and, wow, what a life, you know, um, and I'm just really grateful for that. Uh, thanks for letting me share our path. Thank you, Terry H. Wendy M., you're next. 
Uh, yes, good morning. It's Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado and uh, grateful. Thank you, God, for the abstinence I have this morning. And Melanie, thank you for your service and everybody else on the line. So the two words that pop out for me are the word applaud. That always um, rings a bell for me. And then Walter. I came up behind Walter. So I love that line because it reminds me of where I came from. So I'm a huge VIP person. Like if you're a very important person, I'm very interested in hanging out with you and knowing you. And, um, you know, I spent most of my life, um, and and the reason I, I did that is because I was chasing that effect. You know, I, I chased the effect with food. I chased the effect with people. How can I use you to get ahead? And if you're a VIP, I really don't care who you are. I just want to use you. And I spent most of my life um, named as a name dropper. And I have to say, um, yeah, and sort of a first name basis. So name dropping, I used to live in Los Angeles for many, many years. And that was awesome for me because it's a VIP town. And I did know some actors, but I would embellish, right? And I had fantasies like, oh, I know him so well that maybe I'll even marry him. And this is while I'm married. I have fantasies of marrying actors because they're VIPs. And, um, you know, don't you know who I am and don't you know who I know? Um, So when he says, I came up behind Walter, I'm like, oh, my God, I so identify with this guy, this Bill W. guy. He's awesome because I get it. I get it. My, my, My esteem is so low, so low that I have to show you who I know. And I'm going to do, you know, name dropping. I'm going to tell you all the stories of how I know these folks. Um, So, and I'm only as good as the name I can drop, right? So it's fleeting. It's just like the food. It's just like binging. The food is only good for eight seconds and then it's not so good. Then I, it's, it's my master and I have to eat it, you know? So I know that now. And what I'm doing is I'm chasing that effect because I ain't enough. And you know what? Somebody said it yesterday. It's so brilliant that Bill's story is so much about chasing an effect. And once he knows Walter, what's next, right? Once I know Walter, what's next? Where am I going to go next to chase that effect? It's never going to be enough. And here I am entirely abstinent. I'm neutral with food. And guess what? I'm enough today. Yesterday, I went to my boss and I said, this is what I'm worth. And I'm telling you, a a month ago, two months ago, I would have done the job for free because I ain't worth nothing. And guess what? I'm worth something. I'm a child of God. I have something of value. I don't need to know Walter. I don't need your applause. And that is sheer freedom. That is sheer freedom that I don't have to chase these effects. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Wendy M. Leah S., you're next, and right after you, we'll open up the lines again for more to comment on paragraph two and three in Bill's story on page three. Hi, Leah. Hi. Good morning, everybody. This is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overreader from Brooklyn, New York. And this is a disease of progression. It really is. Um, Everyone was very nervous Uh, I'm talking about everyone, people in program, sponsees. Oh, what are we going to do for Hanukkah? What are we going to do for Hanukkah? And it dawned on me 
what's going on with me? When I started this program, I was also concerned. What are we going to do on, on Halloween? What are we going to do on, on New Year's? What are we going to do on on parties and, and weddings and bar mitzvahs? What are we going to do at those times? What are we going to do? We're going to celebrate the occasion that we were called for. We're going to celebrate the company. We're going to celebrate the good joy of being here and being of service. That, it, it sounds hollow. It's not. It's not because it's in my life that I'm celebrating who I am today and what I am today and what I can give today. This is a disease of progression. I do not forget my last binge and how I cried. I cried my eyes out. Again, I did that. I don't ever want to forget my last binge. How many times am I going to hurt myself? How many times am I just not giving myself that chance, at least to prove it to myself? You know what? Let me see what they're all talking about. Let me see if it really is true, if those promises are really true. What is New Year's all about? What is rain? What is beautiful snow all about? What is serenity all about? What is peace? What is happiness all about? Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. The floor is now open for more people to comment on this paragraph two and three on page three of Bill's story. Who would like to do that? Reggie O. Hi, Reggie. Kathleen O. Sherry KB. Sherry. Anyone else? Carrie B. Did you say Carrie? Yes. With a T? Hi, Terry. Anyone else? Okay, we got it then. Reggie O, Kathleen O, Sherry KB, and Terry B. Hi, Reggie. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Thanks so much for your service and everybody who's on the line this morning. And this is, I'm Reggie O, very grateful to recovered in the Los Angeles area. And, you know, reading these two paragraphs this morning, it they, they sound, I was reminded of my own Groundhog Day throughout, you know, both, both my recovery and my life in this, you know, that just, this is, there was a repetition of these two paragraphs of pattern for me. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I'll go back. I was recovered once uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, I let go of what I heard someone say. The gifts of the pr- program, pro- the gifts of the program uh, cost me to, how, how was that? The gifts of the program kept me from the gifts of the program. And um, my drinking assuming more serious proportions um, and the and terminating in a row in which I became a lone wolf. Well, I, I never... Um, I didn't have the, you know, the the difficulties with friends in a row, you know, but I did become a long, long wolf. As my eating assumed more serious proportions, I became a long, long wolf because I had to hide because I never knew when uh, my eating would take off, when I would need to uh, grab a bag of M&Ms or when I would go to a a dinner party or a gathering or something, and I would just zone in on the food, but I couldn't eat compulsively, so I, I just simply became a lone wolf by isolating, so I would have full access to when, you know, the compulsion or the obsession took me over, I could just go for it totally. 
unhappy scenes, you know, same thing in, in my sumptuous apartment, unhappy scenes with uh, my partner. Uh, but the unhappy scenes were not because I was eating, because I didn't eat in front of her, you know, or, or, in, or in public that way. I would hide, but I would constantly be thinking about the, you know, the peanuts in the cabinet or something. I just was not there, you know, and it was always when, when can I, when can I hide to get my, when can I hide to get my stash? And um, in my golf fever and Walter Hagen was the internet marketing world and uh, attempting to build my business. And I literally was, it, it was high, It was really high, you know, traveling around the country, flying here and there, uh, living, living the high life with a group of people uh, trying to get, my business off the ground and um but what i didn't know that everything that i wanted to get from those programs uh that i needed was right here in this program and uh, because without this work without what i'm doing here uh as a way of life as the foundation for everything else i do you know i have no chance i have i have no chance anywhere else with anything else in my life uh, i've seen that and I am so grateful that I know that today, you know, I pray, I remember it every single day that this is the foundation of everything I do. And, uh, and I'm so glad that I have the foundation I need because I can then stretch out and do other things. So thank you for letting me share this morning. Thank you, Reggie O. Kathleen O, you're next, and then Sherry will come up behind you. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much. This is Kathleen O., recovered in Northern California. And, you know, when I first was told to read Bill's story, I looked at all the things that I couldn't relate to. You know, he's a, he's a guy, he plays golf, I don't play golf. So I went through the whole story reading how I didn't identify in and then came to vision and was taught how to identify in. And and I can totally identify in it. I mean, he's got this downward spiral going and his disease is progressing. Things are getting worse. And, you know, denial, delusion, dishonesty, um, you know, that was me. And ego, oh my goodness, you know, everything I did, it was all about me. Um, it was so bad people would say that to me. Oh yeah, it's all about you, right? <laughs> I used to hate that. Um, but it was true. And, um, you know, I, I am so grateful for these 12 steps in this program and the doctor's opinion for explaining to me what the problem was. You know, I always thought the problem was the food and if I found the right diet or I did the right thing. And, and I tried everything and they worked for a little while, but I would always go back to the food. And I just, I have memories of, you know, gathering up my binge food on the way to work and binging in the car while I was driving to work, getting as much of it in as me as I possibly could, and then at work, sneaking whatever I could, you know, waiting for lunch so I could go out and do it again, and on the way home, doing it again. I mean, all day long, my life was consumed. It was I self-will run, self run riot, and the food was running my life, and I was miserable. So, you know, if you are new, there is an answer here. There's a solution. And if you stay on these lines and get a sponsor and have someone walk you through this book, you get the solution. And, you know, your problem will be solved a day at a time. Um, to happily not eat, to have freedom from the food, to know that when January 1st comes and all the commercials come on for how to lose the weight you gained over the holidays, 
if I keep doing what I did yesterday, you know, and do it today and the next day, those commercials are going to come and I'm going to go, thank you, God. I don't have to do that. I'm not in that spot. And thank you, and I pass. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Kathleen O. Sherry KB, you're next, and then Terry B. will follow you. Hi, Melanie. It's Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Eye Reader. Thank you again for your service and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. And so good to be on the line during the holidays. Just so grateful. What a great place to be. Um, so, yeah, my, my eating definitely took serious proportions, uh, continuing all day and almost every night. I can remember going, um, you know, just as it would describe uh, just right before me um, that how my day went. It was based around the food. Um, it's how I could get it. Um, either I was focusing on it with the mental obsession or I was going to get it and eating it and doing it. And I spent my days doing that. It was like a, a vicious cycle for me. Um, and then just, you know... I, Whenever I got unhappy with my loved one, um, you know, uh, there was no real infidelity because I was too busy eating and numbing out. So I was just, I was so numbed out in my feelings and emotions that that didn't, that did not happen with me. Um, <clears throat> when it talked about uh, contracting golf fever, um, you know, I, I would get into certain hobbies and stuff and just like, just go for it or join a gym and be, like, so great in it, and then just totally drop out. And I did that so many times with doing that around exercise, because if I could exercise, then I could eat as much as I wanted to. And I did some really crazy things around exercise. And I also think about how, um, you know, the food definitely caught up with me when I was in relationships, because I would lose the weight to get a guy, and then um, I would start eating the minute I was in the relationship. Also, this thing about the uh, local banker watching the the world fat checks in and out of the till. Well, I think people watching me losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, you know, going into classes, being thin and coming back, leaving and, you know, being heavy. I mean, I'm sure they were like, just here she comes again. Um, also, any other activities. Um, when I was a kid, I used to pick the best house that had the best food so that I could um, eat their food when I was babysitting. I did all kinds of things like that, just kind of crazy, crazy things. And um, in parties, I would go to parties, but I was a type. I would not eat in front of anybody. I would eat before I went to the party so that when I went to the party, it didn't look like I ate much. But then if you looked at me, you'd think, what is going on? Um, and so I'm just so grateful that I don't have to live that way anymore, that the progression of the disease and being the lone wolf. And I'm a very social person, but when I'm in my disease, I don't want to be around anybody but the food. And so I'm so grateful to be on this line and be recovered and um, not be face down in the food or face down in my emotions because I'm, I'm a recovered person working in 10, 11, and 12 and with my higher powers help. And with, thank you, I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. Carrie B., you're next. Hi, this is Terry B. from San Diego. Can you everybody hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, hi, I'm Terry. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and um, very grateful. Uh, thank you, Melanie, for your service and everyone who shared. I um, I really needed to hear this par- these two paragraphs today. I haven't read them in quite a while and um, I kind of laughed to myself because I moved to San Diego from New York three years ago because my husband wanted to play golf all year round. And, um, and so I, you know, 
we joined this golf club and um and I'll tell you if I didn't have program I probably would have gained 30 40 pounds in the last 3 years because moving to a brand new place with people it, it I call it you know the name of my golf I whatever the name of my golf club is and then I call it high you know like blah 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 high because it's like high school and I'm you know uh, the feelings that have come up for me um if I didn't have my sponsor and my fellows to call and um share and to pray I pray like sometimes I'm playing golf with people and I get so self-con you know I I get just really intimidated and really self-focused and I just pray. I just pray like thy will be done or God help me. And um and uh, the thing that really woke up for me today is um how I judge people because you do see people, men mostly, um, you know, at ten o'clock in the morning and they're ordering like a you know a case of beer and uh, you know drinks to go out and play golf at ten o'clock in the morning, and there I am, this high and mighty, you know, judging them and say you know and like how ridiculous blah 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 whatever it is, and like listening today, it's like that could have been me, you know, it wouldn't have been alcohol, but it would have been you know, I don't know if you're allowed to say food on this line, but. Um, you know, I just would have been having all my favorite foods in my golf cart so that I could eat all day and night. And um, and I'm just so grateful today that, and as somebody else shared, you know, I'm going to a, a party tonight, a holiday party. And I remember when I was going to anybody's, any party, all I cared about before I went was, what are they going to serve? What are they going to serve? I can't wait to see what the food is. Like I and I'd walk in and I would just zoom in on the food, and um, and to, that hasn't even occurred to me today. Like it's like, you know, I'm bringing it's a potluck. I'm bringing my clean, abstinent dessert, you know, because I need to make sure that I have healthy food there for me, and mm-hmm. um, and I don't care what else is there. I know what's mine. I'll call, I'll text my sponsor when I get there and get the lay of the land. And if I did not have these program tools, thank you so much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Terry B. We have time for probably three more people to share. Would someone like to take those time slots? Marge N. Hi, Marge. Michelle L. Laura W. And Laura W. Great, got it. That should do. So I have Marge and Michelle and what did I say? Laura W. <laughs> there, thank you. Good morning, Marge. Good morning. This is Marge Ann from Oregon, a recovered compulsive overeater, and grateful to be here. Um, since coming to Vision for you, I've learn to identify in. I had never heard of that instead of identifying out. And what I identify with, Bill, was the chasing after money, prestige, fame. Um, 
and for me, that was chasing what I didn't have, what I saw that everyone else had that I wasn't able to get. And I thought, if I could just get that, I will feel better. So what I would do in the meantime was, you know, shop at stores that I really couldn't afford to shop at because I wanted to look good. If I looked good, nobody would see the weight. <laughs> but um, I just realized that my ego has played such a big part in my life for so long, and um, I'm grateful now that I really don't care what I wear, where it came from, where I live. Um, I even find myself uncomfortable around a lot of, you know, wealth and nice things. But um, I am just so grateful for this program, for you guys, and just the recovery that I have received from my higher power that I've been willing to accept. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Marge. Michelle L., you're next. Thank you, Melanie. This is Michelle from Delaware. Good morning. Recovered, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater here in Delaware. Snowy Delaware this morning. Um, I just was flashing back to a couple Christmases ago when I was in the food and going to a holiday party. It was a church party. It was a spiritual center and my uh, someone had asked me to make some cookies for the event that night and I did I thought well I'll do another batch of something else as well and I uh, ended up eating a lot of them and didn't want to go didn't want to go to the party but because I promised somebody a ride I felt obligated and I went and I told myself, I'm not going to eat anything. Um, It was a big potluck. I'm not going to eat anything because I've eaten my way through this entire day, baking, 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 whatever. I'm not going to do it tonight. I got there. and Well, maybe I'll just have a little of, you know, the, the, the food food, the dinner food. And then I took that and then the dessert, the long dessert table started calling me. And it was awful. It was it was awful because while everybody else started dancing and enjoying each other um, and laughing, I was at the dessert table and I couldn't free myself. I couldn't free myself. Uh, no amount of willpower at that point was was stopping me. And I was a lone wolf. I was I was lonely in that room full of really you know, really gracious, like interesting people that were all present. Uh, it seemed that they were all present but me. Uh, that was my, my feeling at the time. How, how I wanted to get out of there so bad. And there's always tomorrow. That's always what I thought. Tomorrow, tomorrow will be different. Um, and I, tomorrow, today is different. Yesterday was different for me. I was at a, um, a party and um, there was lots of food, and I felt completely neutral. And that is the miracle of this program and working the steps and working with a recovered sponsor. I have sanity today. I have a sane relationship with food. And 
I was cornered. I really was cornered at a point where it was it wasn't I couldn't Done. eat like a normal eater. So today I know that about myself. I'm not a normal eater. And if you're new, keep coming back and get yourself a sponsor because it works. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Michelle. And Laura W., you're next. You have about two minutes. Okay. Thanks, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Thanks. I'll start my timer for two minutes. Hi, everyone. This is Laura W., recovered compulsive eater and anorexic in South Jersey. I love this. You know, I really identify in with Bill, and I I never thought that I could. Um, But the progressiveness of this disease is, um, it's deadly, you know, and I have a disease that tells me I don't have a disease. So the justifications, I can look back and remember, think about, you know, how it says drinking was taking an important and exhilarating part of my life and fair-weather friends and, you know, I was consumed. Everything I did revolved around my desire for food and being skinny. So he's driven for excess and I was driven for excess, you know, excess, uh, the more weight loss that I had, the better that I was. So I would associate the number on the scale with my value, who I was. Um, you know, anorexia, being skinny, that was my top priority. And my fair weather friends, you know, yeah, my friends terminated in a row. What, this, what it means in a row means a, a quarrel. Somebody once told me. So he argued with these people, and I had arguments with friends. And, yes, I became a lone wolf because it was more important for me to get my fix and to be left alone when I was eating than, um, you know, than to be around people. And alcohol to, to Bill, it was, uh, it was not used to celebrate anymore. Like in the beginning, it talks about he used it for celebration. He has to have it. And, and that's how I felt with food and weight and exercise. And, and it was, you know, socially acceptable to drink while golfing. And it was socially acceptable to be thin. Everybody said, oh, you look great, you know. And um, it's just that denial, the delusion, the defiance, and the destruction over and over again. And I'm glad I'm not there anymore due to these 12 steps. And, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, uh, work the steps day after day in a row, and, and from my experiences, you will get recovered. Thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Laura W. And that will conclude the recorded portion of our meeting with Laura's contribution of share there. Thank you so much. So we will close then with the reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Robin Joe, would you please read page 164? Book is meant to be suggestive only. I sure will. Thank you so much. This is Robin Joe B. from Missouri, and I am recovered, uh, compulsive eater, and, and by God's grace and for his glory. And here is our reading. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We will, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.